Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. By the way, that's your 5 o'clock hour, not mine. It's both I don't ones. need a 5 o'clock hour. <laughs> you, you, you take it with you tonight. We're already here. When you explain to your wife for the 30th time mm-hmm. why you want to watch the Combine. Yes. Just... It's going to go badly for you. I'm just warning you ahead of I'm time. I'm telling you. Um, maybe we can save you, though. I won't bring up the combine while we're talking to Baxter Holmes of ESPN, uh, who did a long and, I would say, exhaustive piece on Damian Lillard and his his place in Portland, his place with the Blazers, his place in the league. Baxter, welcome. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Well, we're about to ruin your day, so. Great. Um, <laughs> I presume you had written this well, uh, not well before uh, the day it was released, but it had been there for a while, and I'm guessing that the editor said, you know what, there's never going to be a better day to publish this than the day after he dropped 70. Um, was that oh, pretty I much how it all. happened, or, or was this... Morning. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, the, the backstory is, uh, yeah, I was up there in January. Um, it was actually a story that we had talked about, uh, me working on, as far back as September, um, in early September, um, I think I was going to go to Trailblazers training camp. But then uh, the NBA dropped their uh, report on Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns. And so everything for me took a back seat. And that was the focus for the however long. I uh, was able to get back to this in January. And so I spent a week in Portland, was around um, Damien and the Trailblazers for quite a bit. Uh, and then, as fate would have it, we were actually planning on publishing it today, uh, this morning. But then he went nuts for 71 on Sunday. Um, and so we just pushed the timeline up 24 hours and decided to publish it Monday morning. So, you know, in terms of timing, it was pretty wild. I'm sure you probably had some situations like that in your career, but this was uh, pretty unique. Um, how uh, it, it's hard to get you know, context when you're just reading something. Did he sound like he has fully wearied of the why won't Dame ask for a trade to a contender debate? Or is he so secure that it doesn't matter how many times it's asked, he knows what he believes and what his answer is? Um, He sounds at peace and kind of like at a place of security and knowing like what he's done and you know, where he kind of stands in the league and everything else. And also understanding that, you know, to win a championship is obviously incredibly difficult. It requires luck. It requires, um, you know, a million things have to break right. You know, in the piece itself, I talked about the Blazers' only other championship and how at the time they were the youngest team ever to win and they seemed set up for a dynasty and we're rolling along the next season, and boom, Bill Walton breaks his leg and or breaks his foot. Sorry, and then that's uh, that's it. You know, their their dynasty was over, or the dynasty that never kind of was. So he understands how hard it is and all of these things. Um, but he seemed at peace. Uh, he, I don't. I didn't get a sense of like him being. You know, I mean, look. Certainly, a lot of people have asked him about his legacy. And, you know, the ring conversation and all of that. Do you feel you need to leave in order to win? And, you know, what a guy. He's gotten those kind of questions ad nauseum. But I didn't sense any weariness uh, from him in, in, in addressing um, this topic with me. Baxter, in the piece, Dame talks about a couple of different players, how they moved and where they're at in their careers now, like Russell Westbrook and you know, how he moved and now he's been 
scapegoated with the Lakers and, and a lot of different things and the negative parts of leaving and it when it doesn't work out. But when you look at some of the, I guess, for lack of a better term, a better term, negative aspects of staying, for example, never having to really play with extremely high expectations. Has Dame ever kind of addressed that piece of it or has it more so been, hey, I'm the one sacrificing. So it's not about expectations because I decided to stay loyal. Well, it's it's twofold in some ways, or it's, it's multifaceted, I should say. Like, on the one hand, you know, as a GM pointed out in the story, look, he's, and, his, and as I noted up top, his loyalty to the Trailblazers is being handsomely rewarded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in the last year of his contract, the current one that he's on uh, with the extension, he stands to make as much as, I think, $63 million in a year. So, you know, the money and the loyalty is, is certainly there, um, but... I don't think that he thinks about it in kind of the way that we're discussing it. Like that you can essentially stay too long. I think he really appreciates the connection that he has with the city, with the fans, with being able to perform for them on a night to night basis, being involved in various charitable efforts in the community, being able to look up in the stands and see a lot of his family members, many of whom have moved up there. Um, you know, being able to see his jersey around the city, um, you know, and certainly all throughout the stands, and then seeing it at other places. You know, he he appreciates that bond. He's he is. I mean, some could say he's like loyal to a fault, um, but he ties a lot of that back to his upbringing in Oakland and his family's um, kind of lessons that they uh, preach to him. Some, you know, one of which is like the grass is not always greener. You know, he and he. People throughout the org- people in the organization have told me like that's one of his tenants that he kind of lives by is that the grass isn't always greener and you can think that you're leaving for something better but in reality like you might not be and, and maybe the thing that you have in front of you is a great thing but you're uh, maybe you don't realize it so he seems pretty grounded in that way. Um, did, does he ever seem the sort if he's you know? a believer in, you know, the grass is not always greener, about taking a more active hand in making the grass that he's standing on greener, meaning become sort of a, a more aggressive um, figure of the front office is, you know, go in and say, hey, let's do this, let's do that. I mean, you know, I hesitate to say, you know, be more like LeBron or or Kevin Durant, but that's almost what it would take if you're going to stay where you are, you know, the temptation, I would imagine, to become a de facto general manager would be pretty significant. Yet he seems to have, you know, declined that opportunity. Uh, how do you sort of walk us through that? Yeah, I mean, look, as you were talking, I immediately started thinking of guys like LeBron and, and Durant. And there's certainly been other star players who've really taken agency over the, you know, the construction of the roster and have talked about that. And, I don't want to say in some ways they're like pseudo-GMs, but it's clear that they wield a lot of power um, in that way. His, his relationship with Joe Cronin, uh, who, like Dane, has only ever been in Portland. Um, I mean, he worked his way up, I think, from a scout to now a GM, which is pretty unusual. You usually have to leave uh, and go somewhere else to kind of move up the ranks. But he's done it all in that organization. And he said, look, it's very, he said that Dane does work very close with him, and, and particularly he talked about how um, uh, Lula really wanted to understand how the salary cap works and, like, what kind of mechanism the team had at, at its disposable, or, sorry, at it, had at its disposal to add players, like, you know, different kinds of extensions and whatnot, and then uh, their GM said, you know, he, in some ways now, like, he understands the salary cap as well as I do, but they're in close communication, but he said it's never felt adversarial. Like, he is trying to push me or push the team to, uh, you know, to make certain moves that he thinks are fit. Like, he, he empowers us. He trusts us. There's a good level of trust between him and Joe. I don't think it's like a situation where I think in Durant, you know, there was talk about whether the star players were putting pressure on Sean Marks to potentially oust him um, in some ways. But that has not been the case in Portland now. But the other side of that coin is that the people who I talked to there said, look, we all feel 
a sense of urgency and, and kind of a desperate sense of urgency to try to get him a championship in some form or fashion before the window of his prime closes. Like, we want to get that for him. He deserves that, um, and so we're going to try to do everything we can. Now, I don't know what the path to that looks like. Uh, you, you know, I've had different GMs say they're one move away. You know, like Toronto was able to acquire, you know, they had like a solid team to get Kawhi, boom, they can win a title. I don't know if that's a completely fair comparison, and I don't know who necessarily they can get to put them over the hump in that way. Um, but the relationship between Dame and the front office is, has been has been solid. He does, you know, he's involved, but I don't think it's adversarial or that he wants it to be adversarial. I think he trusts Joe and their relationship goes back a long way. Back to you bring up Damian Lillard's connection to Oakland. You brought it up earlier in our chat right here and also in the piece and how he wears the number zero for Oakland. Can you speak about his current connection to Oakland with the charities and things like that? And yes, I have to ask, even later in his career, we know he wants to stay in Portland, but if it was later in his career, could you ever see him coming back and wanting to play for the Bay? Uh, I mean, it would probably depend. I'm trying to think. So he's 32. I think his contract runs out in the 27 the end of the 26-27 season. So, I mean, it's really a question of, like, does he, you know, where is he at physically at that point? Um, you know, how, what, five years down the line or, or whatever it is. Um, I'm not sure, so I, I will table that for now. Uh, but to the other part uh, of your question, like, yeah, look, he still has a lot of family there. Um, he's involved in different charitable efforts there. And I would say, he look, he brings Oakland with him wherever he goes. I mean, you know, he is he's introduced in the starting lineup. They always say, you know, he wears the letter O, not zero. And it's because of Oakland. He talks about his upbringing there all the time and how some of the lessons that he learned. You know, I was talking with my colleague Zach Lowe about it, and, you know, the other day, and he was referencing uh, when he talked to Lillard for a story once and how Lillard brought up, like, they had to, you know, when he and his brothers had to clean, or his family members, like the kids, when they had to, were assigned different rooms of the house to clean, they all had to do it together. And if any of them didn't do it, they failed, or like, you know, they collectively failed. And, and that has carried over into his whole team thing. Like, everyone has to work together to achieve a goal. Um, so he takes Oakland with him wherever. Like, it's, and he, his roots there are very deep. You know, he goes back. Um, I think my colleague, Mark Spears, though, I know you guys know well did a great story where it talked about um, this particular lunch that he does uh, there, or this particular event, sorry. And um, so, yeah, he's, I mean, look, he is Oakland's own, and that will never change. Portland is his, is, is where he's put down roots for his NBA career, but, you know, he will always be a son of Oakland. Um, Broadening this out to the Blazers as a whole, they've sort of been on the fringe of the uh, of the play-in tournament all year long. Is that who they are as a team, or have they been unlucky in some ways, and that maybe they're a better team than they look? Uh, who are they really? Uh, Damian, Damian Lillard aside, who are the Blazers at this point? Yeah, I don't know that they're... I don't know that right now that they're anything other than what we see and what their record says they are. Like, you could say, oh, have they had bad luck with injuries or this or that, and maybe they should be way better. Yeah. I don't know that that's the case. You know, they started off, I think, 9-3 or 10-4, and, and everyone was like, oh, you know, this is a kind of a spicy team. Like, they maybe they could do whatever. But they kind of fell back down to earth. And, look, they have some young players who are interesting in terms of, like, like Shaden Sharp uh, in particular. Um, but... I, you know, his development in the arc of it, I mean, this is the tricky thing for them, right? Like, Dame is playing out of his mind right now. He's having the best season of his career, all of that. But they need some of their young players to develop at a much faster rate and for them to kind of go anywhere. And I, they're not the team that they were when they went to the Western Conference Finals and, you know, all of that with C.J. McCollum. They just don't have enough. They have too much youth. And some of the experiences they do have, guys like Justice Winslow, have not been healthy. Dame has been carrying them, but I don't know that they 
far more than what their record says right now. Like they're kind of, you know, what you said about them is, is right. That's where they are. And unless some of those guys can really develop at a faster rate or, you know, there's some mechanism to acquire somebody in a trade. I don't, again, I don't know what that looks like. I think this is just who they are right now. So based on what he's been this year, if he doesn't go for 72 tonight, do you feel like Warrior fans will feel cheated? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been he's been just incredible lately. Um, and it's and you know he had this line that he gave me about you know other than a championship, what more can I give? <laughs> I was thinking of that line after he scored seventy one. Um, but he is a very interesting player in that he always kind of exceeds what we think might be possible um, in some ways. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, I think there's only been, like, three or four playoff or, like, series-winning shots in the postseason, and he has two of them. Um, and they're unbelievable highlights for NBA history. Uh, he's one of a handful of guys that's on the NBA's, that are, that are active, that's on the NBA's All-75 team. He won the three-point contest, he's rookie of the year. He's probably in serious consideration now for first-team All-NBA. Like, he continues to rack up accolades and achievements personally, and he's gotten them as far as, you know, the Western Finals. Um, but I don't, I mean, and, and he seems to be shooting at a range that just gets deeper and deeper, and, and it's like him and Steph are in a category of their own in terms of the range that they have and the confidence, certainly. Um I I am very interested. I don't know where he can go from here, though. Like, is that the best game he'll ever play? Uh, I I mean, it's hard to top, but it it seems like nothing's impossible for him either. Baxter Holmes of ESPN wrote an exhaustive and really superb piece on Damian Lillard and his legacy. And Lillard and the Blazers are in town tonight to play the Warriors. Baxter, thanks for your time. We much appreciate it. See you soon for a drink. Thank you so much, Ray. I appreciate the kind words. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. All right. Thanks, Braxter. Um, yeah, he was saying about how unconscious Lillard has been. Mm -hmm. In his last 22 games, he's had three in which he's scored less than 30. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's how wow that is. I was just, I was looking at this. It just 34, 30, 50, 36, 40, 44, and 30, then 25, 24, then 37, 60, 30, 42, 42, 29, 40, 28, 33, 38, 40, 39, 71. It's a lot of scoring. That's, that's, that's MVP quality scoring. And there was only one game uh, in which he took 30 shots or more than 30 shots. So he's not only scoring a ton, he's being incredibly efficient at it. Mm -hmm. And the other night, he was jaw-dropping. I mean, he, he literally pulled up with perfect form from 45 feet, and that is not an exaggeration. Yeah, no. Just... He has to get some type... Because here's the thing. I think that if we move past the ring culture, you have to put him in a position where he can at least at least get an MVP on his resume. Um, yeah, but you know what? MVP says most valuable, and it's hard to be regarded as the most valuable player in the league when your team finishes 11th. Well, that's what I'm and saying. You, even they, No, they have to make the team better around him. Yes. That is, that is the charge here. It's not Lillard's job or fault that they are not better. It's the team. It's mm -hmm. the organization's failure. And I think that's the thing to remember here is that if we don't like players having that much power, you have to look at Lillard and say, he has influence, but he doesn't have power. And that's what I think most people look for in great players. Stephen Curry has influence, but right. not power. If he had power, they would have traded for a veteran last year and Poole wouldn't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just there's a, there is, there's a subtle but real difference and I think Damian Lillard is as much a living embodiment of that as anybody, which is he doesn't go in and say, make this team better around me, but he gets to walk in the room pretty much whenever he wants and have frank conversations with the general manager about it. I have a question for you, Ray. 
Uh, none of your business. <laughs> um, is this conversation around Damian Lillard, the conversation between loyalty and trying to you know chase a ring, is this a result of the rings culture that the NBA is in right now? I, I wanted to ask you specifically because what was the conversation around Charles Barkley during his career, maybe at a similar stage of his career, or someone like John Stockton or Carl Malone or some of the other greats who failed to get a ring. Was that conversation different than how it is now around Dame? Uh, it's different only because it's louder. But, I mean, Charles Barkley had you know no championships held against him by some people. But he also played in the Jordan era in which everybody agreed, A, that the Bulls were the best team, and B, nobody was, served as the general manager. Even Jordan in Chicago, you know, would get told no on a fairly consistent basis by Jerry Krause. It's only a more recent development that players have stepped up and said, make this team look like the way I want it to look. And even then, even though the, the first super team that was built in the very late 60s and early 70s when Will Chamberlain went to the Lakers to play with Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. That wasn't Wilt Chamberlain just saying, send me to the Lakers. It was trade me. Yeah. You know, I want I want to I want to go west. But it wasn't a thing where everybody said, okay, we've got to do this because it'll make us a super team. It was a it was a great deal for the Lakers because they gave up remarkably little and they had not won a championship in LA. So their frustration was real. But nobody had the power that LeBron James did when he came back to Cleveland. I mean, because he didn't really have all that much power when he went to Miami. Mm -hmm. You know, because Dwayne Wade was already there and Pat Riley is not a guy who cedes that kind of power. Right. But when he went back to Cleveland, he went back as a free agent choosing the terms under which he would go. Mm-hmm. And so he got to dictate a lot of how Cleveland got built. Yeah, and I think it's a good note when we talk about, oh, well, Kevin Durant. I don't know if the Blazers feel any pressure, but we get on athletes that we don't feel did it the right way. James Harden, whether he was wearing an extra sweaters or whatever he was doing to get out of Houston. Then you have Kevin Durant who's saying that, yeah, uh, organizations have been doing it for years and now, yeah, I, I think players requesting trades is fine. I don't think any of us would say that they did it the right way. They're it's people- not requesting trades, though. No. It's telling the general manager, get this guy. I mean, you could go into the general manager and say, right. trade me. That's happened since time immemorial. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a relatively recent phenomenon for someone to go in and say, I want you to get player X and player Y. Those are my choices, and I'm not coming unless you get those. That's and that's what difference. happened in Brooklyn, but... Yeah, it's what happened in Brooklyn. It's what happened when LeBron went back to Cleveland. Yes. But even the whole trade request thing, wasn't it in the past, wasn't it more about something went wrong? As if, okay, well, I don't know. This didn't work out or that didn't work out. For... Kevin Durant and Kyrie, they just decided they wanted to leave. There was no, I feel like in the past, there's always been a legitimate reason. And Kyrie and Kevin Durant didn't have a reason. They just said, I don't want to play here. And James Harden technically didn't have a reason. He just wanted to leave. No, it's, players have wanted to leave places forever. I mean, Will Chamberlain got traded from the Warriors back to Philadelphia in the 76ers because he had had businesses back east and he wanted to be closer to those. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, players have, I mean, they've asked for trades for a, a long time. Very few of them had the power to make that happen. But, right. you mean, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wanted to leave Milwaukee, you know, it wasn't that, you know, that he wanted to build a super team in L.A. He wanted just to be out of Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's as legitimate a reason as any. But he didn't build a team around him by saying, I want player X and I want player Y, you get them for me. Yeah. That's the difference. It's not players leaving, it's players dictating who comes. That's the difference. Do you think the Blazers, they probably don't again because they're making money, but do you think that they feel 
any type of weight on them to say, okay, well, Damian Lillard is doing it on all accounts the right way. Well, we got to make sure that let's because even Baxter said that they have said the front office and the Blazers, they've all admitted we got to get this guy a swing at it. And, but when? And, well, and they've tried. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the past, I mean, don't forget they got to a conference final only a few years ago. Yes, they did. But it was clearly an inferior team to the one that the Warriors, you know, were at the time. And the Warriors swept them. Um, they decided they were going to go young with this with this group. Anthony Simons is twenty three. Matisse Thibel's twenty five. Cam Reddish is twenty three. Justice Winslow's twenty six. Shaden Sharp's nineteen. Mm-hmm. They have not made the big swing. But there are ways to build a championship contender by not making the big swing. The Warriors didn't make a big swing, unless you want to count Andrew Bogut for uh, uh, Monte Ellis a big swing. Yeah, It only seemed like a big swing because people here thought that they were going to build the team around Monte Ellis forever. Because their, their standards had become so eroded by years and years of losing that they thought Monte Ellis was a genuinely elite player. And he was very good, but he wasn't elite. He wasn't a franchise changer. There, the, the things that the Warriors did, their big free agent get before Durant was Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. who at the time was a good player, but nobody perceived him to be a difference maker. I mean, the only real difference maker they've ever gone out and gotten, you know, by dealing with other teams is Durant. Yeah. And they haven't done it since. Would they like to? Sure. But in getting Durant, they did mortgage a share of the future. And they don't have enough pieces to make that next big splashy deal unless you want to give up people like Thompson and Green and even Curry. And I don't believe they're in that in that mindset. Thinking about Damian Lillard and what he's done and how we don't know if he'll get an MVP. We don't know if he'll win a ring. Do you think that not that he feels he has to prove anything, but when that top 75 of all time came out, Damian Lillard was a name that was under a lot of scrutiny. Now he goes off, he does things like this. It will be interesting for a guy in his position as a primary ball handler, primary scorer, putting up, he you know, dropped 70 plus to not have an MVP. Do you think there's any piece of him that goes out every day to say, hey, there are people... I mean, there are a lot of jokes, Ray, when it came out about Damian Lillard being in the top 75. Do you think, at the very least, he can drive that? Because there are MVPs that aren't in the top 75. But are there you know, people like Damian Lillard who don't have any real type of hardware? Is that a, the legacy that maybe he could, he could hold on to more than some others? There are guys on that uh, top 75 who never won a ring. Right. And that's a different argument than being one of the top 75 players. That's an individual thing. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, Damian Lillard, you know, there are limits to his power. Not as a player, but as a a franchise influencer. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's not the guy who's going to be making the phone calls to the other general managers and saying, hey, uh, give us Giannis. Right. Um, it's, there's a reason why there are so many teams that have never won a title. It's hard to get that guy. And one of the reasons why fans in the NBA were outraged when the Warriors got Kevin Durant, they thought it wasn't fair. You know, well, what's fair about it? It doesn't have to be fair. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's quite literally, you know, the law of capitalism. You know, if something's available and you can, you can swing it, go after it. And that's what they did. And I think there is this notion that teams should be homegrown. But if you're homegrown and you don't win, then you failed. So are you arguing about the methodology or the result? Mm-hmm. And that's where people get stuck. Because I think in the ring culture, it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you do it. Because the Warriors, like I said, they did not build themselves the beginnings of this dynasty by going out and grabbing players off other rosters. You know, they traded for Bogut 
Bogut was already sort of, I don't want to say damaged goods because that sounds pejorative, but his best days were behind him. Right. And Iguodala came to them rather than them going after him. So they didn't go out and just shop for players. You know, they drafted players, but that's hard to do too. I think ultimately it's however you get there, you get there. I mean, because if you win a ring, you're not returning it because somebody thought you didn't build your team correctly. No. I mean, the the, the parade is the answer to all questions. Yeah. And I know you said, obviously, either way you spin it, Damian Lillard is almost the antithesis of Kevin Durant. And that's not to say, really, that's not even to say either one is bad. They're just no, different. No, the, 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 look, the reason why Durant catches so much crap is because he picked the wrong guys in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where players find out, oh, this is what being the general manager's like. If you pick a guy and it doesn't work out, it's your ass. Yeah. And I think, you know, Durant went to Phoenix almost happily. It's almost like he wanted to divorce himself of the entire Brooklyn mess. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. It takes an awful thick skin to play and be the general manager at the same time. And the only guy who's really had any real success at it is LeBron because he played the general manager, got back to Cleveland. They won a title. They went to four straight finals. Then he played general manager again and going to L.A., and they got the bubble championship. So he's really the only guy. I mean, not even Jordan got to build his teams. Right. And you could you could make the argument that it worked for LeBron because he is LeBron. And that, yeah. that includes LeBron on the court, not just off the court. He could pull it off because he knows what weight he's going to pull. Well, he knows what weight he's going to pull, but also... He knows that he's the only LeBron there is. Mm-hmm. And if you've got people trying to build a team and they want LeBron, they can only deal for, deal with him. There's no substitute for LeBron. Yeah. There's no sort of LeBron, you know, point two, 2.0. Not even his kids. I mean, so he understood leverage and he used it. Yeah. And because he got two more rings out of it, People are okay with him, to a certain extent, being the general manager in in Los Angeles, even though, for the most part, they've had more bad years than good. Not because of him, but because L.A. was already bad when he got there. He elevated them to a playoff appearance and a championship. But, by and large, the Lakers are in the position they are, despite LeBron, not because of LeBron. But they'll all sit there. Most Laker fans will sit there and say, "Hey, we got we got one." Yeah. Oh no, that you know, he paid off his end of the debt. Mm-hmm. I, I think Laker fans probably thought this was going to be as soon as we get him, we're rolling. Mm-hmm. But they were so awful when they got him that it took a couple of years to ramp up, and then you know, since that championship, come up dry, going to come up dry again now that he's hurt. You know, I mean, I'm not exonerating. LeBron James, because every decision you make is a decision that you can't make down the road. Mm -hmm. And when you combine that with the Lakers' general dysfunctionality, that's why you get what you've got, which is a team that has missed the playoffs, I want to say, eight of the last ten years, if you count this one. Yeah. Because I don't see them getting there now. No. I mean, even with their revamped team without LeBron. Without LeBron? Oh, no. It's... you could double team Anthony Davis and what you're going to worry about Jared Vanderbilt? I tend to doubt that. He looks good. See the guy who's going to take you to a championship? He's going to take not. you to the first round. Probably not. No, I mean that's the thing. It just, you know, the whole idea behind that trade was LeBron's going to be coming back and he'll be fine. Turns out LeBron's feet are failing him. Yeah. And now it's coming out he's saying that he's been playing with an in- with that. Well, he's been injury. playing with an injury on the other foot. Yeah. And maybe this happened because he was favoring that foot. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But now he's got two bad feet. Yeah, now he's got yeah, now well now he's up on blocks for at least a month, I would imagine. And yeah. a month takes you to the end of March. And at that point they could be six games out of out of the play in and eliminated. Yeah. Because they have a chance to just get buried this month. 
The last thing I wanted to touch on in terms of Damian Lillard and, again, going back to the great piece that Baxter Holmes wrote, one thing we haven't talked about, Ray, was how Steph Curry fits into all this. And you have to think that it crosses Damian Lillard's mind. This guy got drafted to the same position as you, plays similarly to you. I think, Dame, we would all say athletically he can he can dunk on you. He can do some things that that Steph can't do. Steph, in a way, just the way Steph plays, the consistency, and Damian Lillard is obviously, they're both on another planet, but they're compared a lot to one another. Steph gets to play in Oakland while the Warriors are in Oakland. You know Dame would have loved to do that. Now they're in San Francisco, obviously, and Steph is playing for the Warriors. How do you think, and now even overshadows Damian Lillard, because why wouldn't he? He's a, he is known as the best shooter of all time. And even when we were talking to Baxter, he sat there and said, besides Steph, you, every time you bring up Damian Lillard, it's always besides Steph. I think that it's possible that Damian Lillard, as much as he wants to win a championship, maybe his feeling is a little less stuck on that because of the fact that there's a Steph Curry. And as much as Damian Lillard wants to win a championship, in terms of accolades, he's never going to catch Steph. And maybe that helps him sleep at night. Or I, or maybe helps maybe keeps him up at night. I'm not sure. And maybe what Damian Lillard is is a guy who says, I'm the best I can be. Mm -hmm. And that's superb. You know, I don't have to compare myself to Curry because it's not about me versus him. It's about our team versus their team, and their team has been kicking multitudes of ass, and ours hasn't. Yes. Maybe that's what bothers him. But I don't think he obsesses about Curry, per se. Um, because, maybe because he accepts the fact that whatever the comparison is, anybody else in the league is going to suffer by comparison. Right. So he doesn't have to play that game in his mind. And it's more to the clarity of his thoughts that he doesn't get hung up on that. Because basketball, as much as people want to make it about me versus you, it's about us versus them. Mm -hmm. It really That's why the Warriors won four times. And that's why the teams who beat them did it with deep, strong rosters. You know, it's the game, as much as people resist it, is about individuals in a collective. It's not the collective serving an individual. Right. And that's how you win championships. And I think Damian Lillard understands, and I'm here I am speaking for him because like I know him like the back of my hand. Um, I think he said, you know, I could do everything I can do. And then there is a point at which I can do no more. You know, then it has to be the other guys on the team. That's why, as Baxter Holmes referenced, you know, he is a guy who, you know, talks about the other guys on his team, you know, and, and works with them. He is not just a de facto team leader. He's the team leader. Yeah. And you can't lead a team if you're ignoring them. If you're obsessed about, I got to be better than a guy on another team, then you're not really a team leader. All you are is you're a leader of you. And I don't think anybody's going to accuse Damian Lillard of being that. I just think he gets the dynamic, and I don't think he gets hung up on the things that we get hung up on. Yeah. It just it's it doesn't matter to him. It's, I'm the best player I can be. I'm going to keep getting better. I want to keep making my teammates better. And at some point, that's either good enough or it isn't. Mm-hmm. I'm just, in my mind, I'm just sitting here thinking about the other scoring, and we know there's... Scoring has been ridiculous lately, but just thinking about the other kind of scoring binges we've seen from whether it was James Harden or I would say just how it gets viewed differently. James Harden, I don't know if he got viewed as a stat patter, but James Harden's stretch, it just didn't feel the same for whatever reason, whether he was manipulating the rules or feels like he's traveling or hunting for fouls. Then you had Russell Westbrook, who he got his MVP because he averaged a triple-double, but there would be times where Steven Adams would you know, get out of the way and let Russell Westbrook just grab the rebound, things like that. So neither of those runs felt authentic I maybe more so James Harden. James Harden gets a lot of flack because of how he played, but the Russell Westbrook run, which led to a, an MVP, 
didn't feel authentic. But Damian Lillard doing this, and what you said, Ray, his streak of, or how many games he's had over 30 points, it's not a run, because Anthony Simons did not play in the game he dropped 31, I don't believe. It's not a run based on, I'm going to sit in the corner. Yeah, As you just mentioned, I'm going to sit in the corner and stat pad. It's literally out of necessity. It's out of necessity, but there are times when, you know, that's when the greatest players come up, is when they are looked like, okay, we're running thin tonight, you've got to carry the heavy end of the piano by yourself. Yeah. And he's done that. Um, it just, I find it hard to find a reason to criticize him. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he's not, he doesn't have a preposterous usage rate. His usage rate is roughly that of Curry. And I don't think anybody accuses Curry of being selfish. Never. So, that right there undercuts any argument that Damian Lillard is about Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can say about Damian Lillard is that he hasn't brought a title to Portland by himself. And I would defy you to find a team that won a title with one guy. Because there's never been a more dominant player in the history of the sport than Wilt Chamberlain. And the only year that he won a title before he got to L.A. was the year he had four other Hall of Famers on the roster with him. And all the other years when he was piling up, you know, 50 and 50 points a game and 40 rebounds a game and just doing ridiculous numbers that no one else can do anymore. He still ended up looking at Bill Russell have a parade. Yeah. He got nothing. It is 540, which means this can only be one thing. It's a reminder that we are sponsored by 5-Hour Energy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. For whatever passes for our best content, head over to YouTube, search 95.7 The Game, and click subscribe. You'll see all of our shows live. The best interviews, also the worst, 
the most interesting segments, and the most boring ones, behind-the-scenes content from the Warriors, and stuff that you can see anywhere, and more. It's all on the 95.7 The Game YouTube page. So subscribe, or we'll hate you forever. Home stretch, Alan. What's on your mind? So, nah, that's not good. Try again. <laughs> LaMelo Ball, foot injury, and he is, I think... The last I saw, he's probably done for the season. I think they've now been definitive about yeah. it. Fractured ankle officially done for Officially the done for the season. So, Ray, I'm looking here. His, his Oh, I know where this is going. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't know where it's going. So his rookie year, he missed 21 games. That was the shortened season due to COVID. They only played 72. Last year, he did play 75 games. This year, he's done. He played 36 games, Ray. Should it make Dub Nation feel any better about the Wiseman pick? Yes, because I think it's important that basketball fans enjoy the misery of its players so they can <laughs> feel better like about that. themselves and I their tiny, like shabby little lives. I don't mean it like that. Really. I know you don't. I took it where you didn't mean for it to go, but I took <laughs> it there because I don't care. I got five more minutes of this, and then I'm in the car, well, so you I don't have yet. to be happy. Um no, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think it should matter because the Warriors were never going to take LaMelo Ball, nor should they have because they had their version of LaMelo Ball already. And maybe LaMelo Ball turns out to be a sensational player, mm -hmm. but at some point you have to draft pieces that you lack on the roster you've already got and are planning to keep. You know, LaMelo Ball would have been duplicative. And for the same reason that if they'd had a shot at Anthony Edwards, that wouldn't have helped them either. What they needed was the thing that they thought James Wiseman could give them. And he couldn't give it to them fast enough because he did miss twice as many games as he played. Yeah. And also because at 19, with such a small pre-pro resume, they didn't know what he could deliver. They took a gamble. It was a center-thin draft. And they took what's going to turn out to be the best of the four guys. In fact, right now, he's better than the other three pure centers that got drafted. That tells you what kind of a market it was. Right. And I think that, really, that is what has always been the big picture here. It just wasn't, and I know Halliburton, I know Maxi, and obviously Anthony Edwards. Well, don't forget Desmond Bain. And Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain got help. He went, he, he went lower, too. He went too, 30th. Because your argument has always been, if anything, just trade down. Yeah, I mean, if they knew what Halliburton was going to be, or if they knew what Bain was going to be, mm -hmm. sure. How, how is Bain not duplicative, though? Bain's a defender. I mean, and a stout defender at that. Yeah. That would have that been helpful. Yeah. You know, I don't think he would have gotten starters minutes right away. But you could put him in it in as a guard that guy, and he'd guard that guy. Yeah, because Memphis specializes in getting guys like that. Yeah. Um, so th that that's where he's not duplicative. The Warriors don't look at players as merely offensive cogs, and when they have, you know, the the results have been kind of indifferent. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jordan Poole at this point is more confounding than he is exciting. I mean, he could score tons, but he can also go through stretches like he's going through right now, where since the All-Star break, he's shooting 28% from the field and 21% from three. That's not great. That's not even horrible. <laughs> but I'm not here to dog Jordan Poole because that's who he is. He's not the 21% shooter, but he's streaky. And his game is not well-rounded enough yet for that to be okay. So, ignoring that, you know, I don't know that LaMelo Ball getting hurt changes what the Warriors trade dynamic would have been. The only thing that could have changed the Warriors trade dynamic, or the, the Warriors draft dynamic, I'm sorry, is get draft uh, trading down to get out of the spot where there wasn't anybody they liked enough at two. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know what they had in Wiseman. They knew that he could, if he hits, give them what they needed. Yeah. But he didn't hit. He didn't give them what they needed. 
and they also signed him, and this might have been the other mistake in hindsight, they signed him to a deal that crushes them tax-wise. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as much as anything, is what hastened their decision to move on from him. And it's less about James Wiseman versus LaMelo and more about you draft these guys and things are just going to happen. We don't know. It's always been a gamble. It will always be a gamble as no. much as people want to believe it's not. No, I mean, look, if the NFL is a car crash, the the NBA is a marathon in which everybody gets shin splints. Mm-hmm. The game is played so much differently and covers so much more of the court. And this is, you know, Gary Vitti, the old Laker trainer who said this. There's far more stress on the joints than there ever used to be because players are not being asked to cover a small part of the court. They're being asked to cover basically baseline to baseline, sideline to sideline, half court in. Uh Uh-oh, Ray. Don't let J.J. Redick hear this. Well, he's gonna he's gonna take this and upset some more players from the '80s. Wow, am I not gonna care about that? <laughs> um, no, he knew the James job was dangerous when he took it. No, but I mean, when a trainer tells you that, yeah, that it's a much different game, and it's it doesn't have to be more physical because it's not. I mean, you can't hand check, you can't use an arm bar to keep a guy from backing you in. Yeah, in fact, there aren't very many guys who back you in now anyway. Right, as that is. Um, but it's more taxing on, on the knees and the ankles. And more guys are, that's what load management is. Yeah. To try to lower the amount of taxing that goes on. Because once your joint's to go, your career's done. Right. And if you're getting paid, well, let's, let's take Damian Lillard just as a handy hypothetical. The year that Damian, Damian Lillard turns 36, I think it is. He'll be making sixty-three million a year, and if his if his knees and ankles are shot, that's sixty-three million on not much. And I'm not wishing that on him. I'm just using him as an example of yeah. what owners and general managers make decisions on. Right. Which is, if I'm going to pay this guy this much, I am not going to waste his the lifespan of his tendons on a game in Indiana in the middle of December. Yeah. When That's what load management is. Right, when you're basically out of it. Well, speaking of load management, this is just another reminder for you. For all our best... No, that's not the reminder I want to give you. What's coming up on the game, which comes next, is brought to you by Fremont Bank, and it's Warriors Live with John Dickinson, ahead of Warriors versus Blazers, or as we like to think of it, DiVincenzo v. Lillard. So that's what you stay tuned for after this. In the meantime, it's fun working with you. It's been great, Ray. Yeah, come back tomorrow. In fact, work for me. I'll take the day off. I don't know about that. Coward. (laughs) Failure. (laughs) Mountebank. Candy ass. Fair enough. Yeah, drive home. You guys drive home, too, because remember, sports doesn't build character. Builds money for billionaires. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.